Holy Habits, week 10. Can you believe it? Week 10. On July 4th, we learned about Sabbath, and then simplicity, and then confession, and fasting, and silence, prayer, solitude, worship, and fellowship. And we've mastered them all, right? <laughs> well, I hope that as we have engaged with God's help, these holy habits, not just to increase our learning about Jesus, but my hope and prayer, and maybe your hope and prayer too, is that we might end up living more and more like Jesus every day that he gives us. Every day is a gift, amen? And so as author Stephen Smith writes in his book entitled The Jesus Life, the gap between ourselves and God, the gap between the life we're living and the life we could live needs to close. Why? Because regardless of what you've come to believe about Jesus' church and the Christian faith, one thing is for sure. Jesus is all about life. Amen? Jesus is all about life. In fact, he said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come to give you life and to have you have life, what? Abundantly or to the full, to the fullest measure, the full life, abundant life, life that is more, a life that is better, a life beyond what we can dream of. This is why we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us live and breathe these holy habits. Now, certainly this isn't an exhaustive list of holy habits or spiritual disciplines, but we did take 10 weeks to ask God to help us to begin to recover the life that Jesus has given to each and every one of us as a gracious gift. So in week number 10, how can suffering really be on this list of 10 holy habits. Suffering, say that with me, suffering. That's what we're gonna seek with God's help to engage today. And after all, one person has already approached me this week and said suffering for most of us may already be a reality, right? Or it already may be, unfortunately, a rhythm that we need to engage. We don't need to make it a habit. We don't need to practice suffering. It's already here. And I think there's some real truth to that observation, right? Maybe you would agree. Suffering might be already in our midst, whether you are personally encountering it or whether you have people you love and care for encountering suffering, or of course, as we look out into our nation and our world, there is no doubt, no doubt, that suffering is in our midst. This week and this topic is a tough one, for sure. The holy habit of suffering. So, here's what I hope, with God's help, we'll accomplish this morning. First and foremost, we want to look to Jesus and the scriptures. Amen? We want to look to Jesus and the scriptures. I mean, the, this, the passage out of Luke that Dick read for us this morning is only one example of Jesus being chased out of town, attempted to, before the cross, to be hurt 
or to be maligned. And, and you can read through the Gospels, Jesus' earthly life was full of what? Suffering that crescendoed on the cross of Calvary. And so we want to look to Jesus and the scriptures to learn about how suffering and becoming a follower of Jesus in a deeper way really do go hand in hand. I wish it weren't so. But being a follower of Jesus and to anticipate or encounter suffering, friends, on the Christian journey, they go hand in hand. There's no other way around it. Look at Jesus' life and ministry. And look also, we want to look also this morning, when we're called to enter into the lives of those who are suffering, right? A lot of times we, we want to be like the priest and the Levite when they saw the good Samaritan, right? We want to go to the other side of the road and keep on heading to our destination. So how do we deal with suffering individually? And how do we, as Christians, enter into the suffering of others to give honor and glory to God? Friends, the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, what? When he's speaking about the body, when he's speaking about the church. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Paul also says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. How do we enter into not only the good times, the celebratory times, but also the times when suffering is real? Friends, we find ourselves on this Labor Day weekend, 2021. And did you know, I, I, I Googled the history of Labor Day. That was born out of suffering, right? It wasn't about picnics and hot dogs and baseball games. It was born out of suffering. I encourage you, I'm not going to read you this, but Labor Day was born out of suffering and injustice of workers of all ages in our country, let alone what's going on around the world. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 will be upon us this week. The 20-year war in Afghanistan just ended last week, but persecution of Christians, women, and children, those who are in any way supported or aligned with the United States has begun in a deeper and more intentional way than many of us would even want to imagine. COVID-19 is still raging on 18 months later, and debates have risen up on every possible topic you could think of in the midst of a pandemic. Wildfires, hurricanes, rains, flooding, tornadoes, Racial tensions and racial injustice, even in the midst of reconciliation journeys, have begun, but, but, we're so much work to do there. I could go on, and so could you, amen? I could go on, but so could you. And that's not even to mention what you are personally dealing with this morning. Each and every one of you, including myself, that's not suffering, is all around us in so many ways. So this suffering, this holy habit of suffering that we want to engage this morning for a few minutes is not about my favorite baseball team lost last night. <laughs> the food I ordered at the restaurant was not exactly what I wanted or expected. 
I went to the store, the clothes I wanted were not there in my size or color or... Or the internet crashed again in the middle of me streaming a movie. Or let's be honest, friends, with one another, I had to suffer through that last worship song because it wasn't played or sung in the style I like. That's for some other, somebody else. No, that's not the suffering we're talking about. That is not the suffering we're talking about. It's real, heart-wrenching, soul-searching, faith-testing suffering that hurts us physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Where our soul is just raw. Our heart aches. We feel that God is distant or, or, or silent or doesn't even care. And so I, I invite you this morning, if you have your Bibles or want to use the Pew Bibles, to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. A quick reference in those Pew Bibles is page 1009 for those that want to get there. 1009. <laughs> but let's just walk through 1 Peter chapter 2, some verses beginning at verse 11. Let's listen to God's word from 1 Peter, make a few comments, talk about a couple points on suffering, and then we're going to celebrate communion together to ultimately bear witness and to realize that Jesus suffered and died for you and me because he loves us so, and that journey to the cross was not interrupted. He suffered for you and for me. And as we'll find out, he calls us to join him in that suffering. So God's word begins from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, so Peter begins, friends, by saying, listen, there is so much temptation out there. Sinful desires are out there. And he encourages us to what? Wage war against them. To They come against us. Let's leave them behind. So that others might see God working through us. And if we don't join the club sometimes, what happens? Persecution, suffering, name-calling, laughing, and jeers begin to happen. And so Peter begins to lay out for us that we need to leave behind all that might make us fit in or all that might make us comfortable so that we might be able to have the light of Jesus shine through us, even though it may hurt, even though there's a price to pay for it. Verse 13. Peter goes on, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. 
But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Wow. Jesus teaches in Matthew, render unto Caesars what is Caesars, and unto God that which is God's. The Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Timothy, pray for kings and all those in authority. And also he addresses this issue in Romans chapter 13. And now Peter, in this text, what's going on here? Well, the Christian does, friends, have what? A higher obligation than even their obligation to the state. There are times in our lives as we live and engage society that as followers of Jesus, we must make it quite clear that we must listen to God rather than humanity. But that isn't on a daily basis. There is certainly something as we look to the scriptures about our witness to submitting, submitting ourselves under those who govern us, whether we agree with them or not. There's something that God wants to use us in doing that, taking that posture of submission That'll be a witness. That'll point people to him. And yes, we may have to suffer some consequences because of that. But I do think scripture also tells us, as I just said, there are times where our highest allegiance needs to be as a follower of Jesus to the King of King and Lord of Lords and not humanity, not to men. Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 Verses 19 and 20, if you read that, they were basically trying to be silenced by the Sanhedrin that you cannot preach about the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, speak no more of this Jesus guy. Speak no more of the good news of the gospel. They didn't listen. They got thrown into jail in Acts chapter 5. Peter and the other apostles said, we must obey God rather than human beings. And what's their context? Suffering. Imprisonment. William Barclay says, There may be times, therefore, when the Christian will fulfill their highest duty to the state by refusing to obey it and by insisting on obeying God. By doing so, at least they will witness to the truth, and at best, they may have God witnessed in front of the state. Now, Paul or Peter here is trying to teach us that we need to leave behind sinful desires. We need to have an honest posture of submission to those who govern over us. But friends, there are times when there's discernment and prayer and not quick reactions or self-centered motivations or protests that we need to have our allegiance to God and God alone. And the goal, I would think Peter is teaching us, even if suffering occurs, Give a faithful witness to Jesus and the truth of the gospel. May all glory go to God. And then in verse 18 of chapter 2, we hear this. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. 
But how to it, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was in his mouth. Friends, there is no doubt about it. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. In today's context, even today, those from a non-white background might wrestle with this verse in a way that a lot of us here don't understand. But what I do know is Peter was writing in a context where there was 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. 60 million slaves, household servants, everybody was a slave. Doctors, nurses, teachers, actors, poets. If you weren't a Roman, you were a household slave, you were a thing. And so Peter is saying, how in these unbearable circumstances can the Christian, think about it, if you were a follower of Jesus, most likely you were considered a slave by the, the Romans. And so the Christian church, the early church, was made up of what? Mostly servants and slaves. And so Peter writes into this situation. Here comes Christianity. The good news of Jesus was with its message that every person was precious in the sight of God. The result was that within the church community, the social barriers were to be broken down. And yet, when they stepped out the door and went to work, here they were as servants of the Roman Empire. And Peter says, listen, offer your time and your talent to the Lord. If you disobey your master, you're going to get punished. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Peter says, give it 110%. Give it 110%. Even the context that you're in doesn't fit who God calls you to be. Shine the light of Jesus in the midst of your work, in the midst of your labor. God is at work lifting the chains of injustice. So finally, friends, these last few verses, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like the sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Did Jesus suffer for you, friends? Did Jesus suffer for you? The first thing that I want us to think about is that Jesus was and is familiar with the way of suffering. If you just read through Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected by men, 
a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Friends, Jesus knows the way of suffering. That should be a comfort to us. That doesn't eliminate your situation in any sense of the word. But Jesus is familiar with our sufferings. Remember the scripture that Dick read from Luke 4? I want to show you a picture from Mount Pre Pre Precipice in, in Nazareth. You put that up there for me, Gigi. We get that slide. Oh, there it is. Sorry, I'm looking back there. <laughs> that, is, that is just outside the town of Nazareth. And as you can see, if you were to go up to those rocks a little more behind the best guide in the world, Mr. Mike, you would just go straight down thousands and thousands of feet. This is right outside of Nazareth. And we take time there to remember that Jesus was driven out after he read those, those, um, the scriptures in the synagogue. And if you look down in that valley there, that's the valley of, of Armageddon, actually. And, and Mount Carmel with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, that's the, the hill on the far side there. So just a powerful, powerful reminder that Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. He couldn't even preach the gospel, the good news. And they wanted to run him out of town. So friends, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He knows the way of suffering. So the second thing that I want to share with you this morning is that God does not protect us from the truth. To live and to love is to be vulnerable to suffering. We grow to be more like Jesus through our suffering. And some of you said, I wish that wasn't on the screen right now. God does not protect us from the truth. To live and to love is to be vulnerable to suffering. We grow to be more like Jesus through suffering. One thing is for certain, friends, in our attempt to live the life that Jesus has called us to live, and as we seek with the help of the Holy Spirit to put into practice these holy habits that we have been engaging these last 10 weeks, we need to figure out how suffering fits into the life that we want to live. There's no sidestepping it. We have to go through it. Like Jacob, Jacob, right? Remember Jacob wrestling? We may wrestle with this question out with God until he blesses us with an answer that will satisfy us. But what we will learn is that this question may never be answered, may never be answered to our full satisfaction on this side of eternity. We may, in fact, wrestle all our lives with the question about why people suffer including ourselves. And the older we become, I guess, combined with the more suffering we see and perhaps our personal experience, the question morphs from why does suffering happen at all to when I suffer, how will I handle it? We must reject easy answers to life's hardest questions and those easy answers are out there, trust me. If you just had more faith, if you just did these 10 holy habits perfectly, those easy answers are out there. 
To live the Jesus life well means we will have to jettison away these easy answers about suffering. And we will have to accept that wrestling is going to be an ongoing part of our daily lives. Peter again tells us, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. Patient endurance of suffering is evidence of God's grace at work. Patient endurance of suffering is evidence of God's grace at work. I love the quote from Pastor Tim Keller who says, if a person has grasped the meaning of God's grace in their heart, they will do justice. They will do what is right, even if that brings suffering upon us. Desmond Tutu has said, do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Friends, go out there and do that little bit of good. Even if it sticks out. Even if you suffer for it. And I don't think we have to look to any farther than to the, the examples of those countries where persecution and martyrdom for just mentioning the name of Jesus happens every day. That doesn't make the evening news. And so, suffering, a way of suffering, a holy habit of suffering.